This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. This is your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, coming at you on a Friday morning. Or maybe you're listening to this over the weekend or the following week, who knows. But we're coming at you here on uh, February 22nd is when this will be released. Plenty to talk about with our guest coming up in a little bit. Um, you know, free agencies creeping closer, the combines creeping closer. We are going to continue to have dialogue different perspectives from as many people as we can uh, leading into that time so you feel informed about all of the different possibilities that the Browns are going to potentially bring uh, to Cleveland, whether, like I said, through free agency or through the draft. You probably saw the myriad of cuts this week. We will get into those cuts and our thoughts on them and any additional names that could be on the bubble coming up here in a little bit. Um, you also probably noticed that the Browns uh, had some uh, open interview times and, um, you know, uh, Cleveland Browns Daily with Joe Woods and Alex Van Pelt. Plenty of good insights out there, uh, you know, about uh, their philosophies. I'm not going to bore you with that because most of you have probably read or listened. But I did particularly like uh, Van Pelt's quotes on, you know, um, curtailing his offense to his players. That's especially what you want to hear, their strengths. Joe Woods talking about the emphasis and needing to stop the pass instead of the old cliches about the run. Really good stuff all the way around from both coordinators. I encourage you to go listen to them if you can. The Browns went out, added a couple more coaches. Brandon Lynch will be the assistant defensive backs coach. Uh, Jeremy Garrett will have a similar role with the Browns defensive line as an assistant. Lynch is a uh, safety, obviously uh, an NFL safety for a while, worked his way through the coaching ladder. Wilmington College to East Carolina, a whole bunch of different places. Wilmington over in the OAC, which is where I used to play my college football as well. Uh, Lynch served uh, in Minnesota, which is, uh, which is also how he connects to Kevin Stefanski. And, um, you know, big-time believer in him, blew him away is what Stefanski has said. Uh, Joe Woods is a mentor to Lynch. And those two have a really nice relationship, and uh, it should be a really fun pairing there. Hopefully he can add some value. Uh, Garrett's brand new to the NFL, served uh, 2010 to 2018 various roles at the high school level. 
um, was a defensive quality control coach for Vanderbilt. And, um, you know, he played his playing days at Ole Miss. So I'm not entirely sure a ton of that information about Garrett, but hopefully he can uh, he can provide something assisting along the defensive line and uh, make his way in the NFL. So that's really it. There's, there's a couple little pieces of news, which is the Greg Robinson news. I don't think the Browns had any intentions of keeping Greg around, so I don't think that's going to be a big deal on the spectrum of the future, but if you get caught with 157 pounds of marijuana, probably going to be serving some time, and uh, it's going to change your NFL future. I'm not sure. I hope, hope the best for Greg. Interviewed him a couple times. Always very cordial, very insightful uh, questions I asked. Uh, hope hope he can come back from this um, and, and, and maybe doesn't have to serve time. I don't know how that will all shake out, but hope the best for him. But I didn't think he was a part of Cleveland's future. And then Jarvis Landry seems to be undergoing hip surgery. I'm sure he has a timetable set up to be back in time for OTAs, minicamp, all that stuff, training camp. But I, I do know that he tried to play in the Pro Bowl after giving his hip some rest, thought it was going to be good to go, but it was pretty tough. You paid attention to his Instagram story. It was pretty rough on him. Um, you know, trying to trying to run in the Pro Bowl. So he decided the best thing to do was get surgery, which I'm a believer in. So both of the Browns starting receivers dealing with lower body injuries that have had surgery. We'll see how that shakes out. Both are worth big money. Hopefully they can uh, bounce back next year and fit into what should be a fun offense with Stefanski's scheme. Before we get to today's interview, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, Masters, Major League Opening Day, Right around the corner, you can bet on anything. You can bet how many Astros batters get hit on opening day. I'm kidding, but you might be able to pay attention to bet online. They have all things covered for you guys, scores, odds, the latest news. It's the best place to place all your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part about bet online is you get a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch going down this Saturday night. Can't think of a better way to wager on a fight than doing it with actual free money from bet online. Head over to betonline.ag, again, betonline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. Super easy to use. If you're ready to get into betting, this is the best place to do it. It's a fantastic way to support this Browns Film Breakdown podcast. Do it. Place your bets at betonline.ag using that promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Now, shifting over, folks, we're reeling in, bringing in on the betonline.ag hotline, Cody Sook, writer over at Waiting for Next Year. If you followed me for a good amount of time, you know that my, my, my writing journey started at Waiting for Next Year. Love what the guys over there do. I actually recommended Cody. I'm not doing this because I want a pat on the back. I recommended Cody to those guys because I think he's fantastic, does great stuff. And um, if you're not reading him, you should be. He's at WFNY Cody. You can read all of his stuff. He just released a seven-round mock draft yesterday. Great insight. Cody, how you doing, man? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me on, man. Doing well. <laughs> good, good. It's my pleasure to have you on. I want to talk about a myriad of topics. Um, the first thing I want to do is get from you. Look, you're a numbers guy. You're an accountant by day, Browns writer by night. You love the numbers. I think you like this higher. Where are you on the Stefanski Barry pairing going into 2020? I mean, I, I'm going to use the phrase it's almost it's almost a match made in heaven when you really think about it. You have two guys that are off the field friends that wanted to work together last year, it didn't work out. Um, now they get to come together, and I think for the first time since maybe the return, we're going to have a singular aligned vision for this Cleveland Browns football team. Now, what does that mean? It means that. 
everyone from the front office down, from Paul DePodesta to Kevin Stefanski to Andrew Barry, everybody's going to be on the same page when it comes to certain things as player evaluation and acquisition, uh, the desired culture and how to obtain it, and how to try to create sustained success and get back to the glory days of this football team. Um, at the forefront of this relationship is obviously going to be that blasphemous term among some brown circles of analytics. You know, everybody thinks about one in 31, Sashi Brown and a bunch of nerds sitting in a room um, lit by fluorescent lights doing algorithms and Excel spreadsheets. But that's really not what analytics is and how it functions in the NFL. Uh, analytics is used in pretty much every facet of the organization such as assisting the coaching staff with identifying trends or strategies or weaknesses of weekly opponents, or even input on game days, offering win probabilities and risk reward ratios of certain situations. It's, it really boils down to, in its simplest form, putting the team and its players in the best position to succeed with informed decisions. And I think you have two people with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry that are going to implement this and see the whole thing through. Yeah, I think that's where it gets interesting is, is people don't understand that there are branches of this process. There's there are scouting reports that uh, are as old as football dates, you know, people getting detailed information on you know, who they play next and what their tendencies are. And, and, and I think that the numbers have evolved and the analytics side of scouting reports have changed over time, right? They've, they've, they've been able to break down in more detail with win rates and success rates and a whole bunch of different things that they can do to look at numbers on game day and look at, you know, points added, points value, uh, those sorts of things that can tell you, you know, EPA on a given play or anything of that nature. I think that it's done a nice job, but it also is very impactful. And what we will see right away is, is the use of analytics to look at players and look at thresholds and look at what players fit in what type of offense uh, or defense, obviously, as they've reshaped both sides of the football here in Cleveland. And I think we'll, we'll see that impact right away. So, um, you know, for me, obviously, it will be extremely intriguing to see who they draft, a willingness to trade back. I think the difference you mentioned there, Cody, is is kind of it's tied to the idea of Sashi Brown. The framework of this situation is much different. They are not in a, a total teardown asset collection frame of mind. So I obviously understand everybody who has a preconceived notion of I don't want to be this this the same sort of business model that was one in 31 and while i understand that and i obviously accept the apprehension that comes with it i do think you have to look at the difference in approach this time around they are not they're going to be cognizant of collecting assets but they are not going to build themselves with the number one thing or number two thing on the board is collecting assets. They're going to look to add good football players, aggressiveness, and free agency. I think I've already been pleased by the, the the roster cuts and trimmings that they made. I think there are more out there for them to do with this current roster uh, setup, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Um, but but I certainly like the the very beginning of this approach for them and kind of trimming some fat where they can with minimal cap impact. So. Um, that sort of segues into my next question for you, which is if you look at who they've let go, they obviously let go of Kush and Demetrius Harris and, and TJ Carey, among a couple others. Um, you know, when you're looking at this roster that's left, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking at those guys left, who I wrote about this, I have some opinions of my own. Who do you think is left that could still eventually get cut? Still get cut. Um, let's think. Well, we saw Carey always cut. Cush was already cut. 
I really hope that Chris Chris Hubbard should be probably the next guy on the list. His contract is friendly that he can be cut with little dead cap space for this year. He was uh, a significant liability at the right tackle spot this year. Uh, we saw it with Baker not being comfortable in the pocket. We saw him getting constantly barreled over by edge defenders or linebackers or just being called for penalties and just being out of place, it seemed like a right tackle. I think he'd be a name that probably shouldn't be back with the team next year. And you can address that position in the draft, say, in the middle of the rounds on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I, th- I certainly think Chris Hubbard is a name you will see trimmed at some point. I think that they're going to flirt around with somebody being desperate and coming to get him, maybe getting something like a seventh-round pick, possibly not this year but the following year. But I do think when it comes push to shove, if they have not found somebody willing to take him, they will uh, they will move on. I think Christian Kirksey is a very interesting target that they could move on from. Age, injury issues, decline in performance. I think they could save around $7 million between the cap hit and the dead cap number. He's one that's interesting to me. Uh, Olivier Vernon is a topic of conversation. He obviously has a $15 million cap hit um, that, that comes with no dead cap. So if they decide, here's what you're doing. You're wavering back and forth between we can cut this guy and save $15 million, potentially sign somebody, um, you know, that's an option. You know, and that option is not because Olivier Vernon's not, he's not a good football player, but it's because he gets hurt. He has had a history of, of, of being hurt, and he would be the highest paid player on the roster as it currently sits. Now, they could go sign somebody in free agency who they pay more, you know, a bigger cat figure to, but right now he's sitting at 15 and a half uh, is the highest paid player. Now, um, the opposite side of that is you keep him, you, you keep him on that one year. It's obviously just a one year deal. And you say, this $15 million right here, we are going to automatically set aside and add that to Miles Garrett. Like, Miles Garrett has currently a 9-5 figure, something like that. We say, that $15 million is going to go to Miles because you're probably going to pay him 25 a year. And we'll just use that this year for a good player opposite him. And then, you know, let Olivier walk, get a compensatory pick in the next draft by letting him walk, and then just roll that figure into Miles' money. So I get both sides. If you think you can go get a couple players with that $15 million uh, figure for, for a few years, you can do that um, You know, as a sort of short-term thing. So that's where I'm at with it. Where are you sitting with Olivier Vernon? And we'll, we'll talk about a couple other names I'm keeping my eye on. I think you just summarized it best. You have that cap space of a player – who still plays pretty well when he's in there, but the problem is sometimes the best ability is availability, and his availability hasn't been that great since I think it's 2015 or 16 was the last time he played a full uh, schedule of games with the team at the Giants at the time. Uh, I don't doubt his talents, but I, if it was me, I would probably move on from Vernon at this point because he could be replaced in the draft or via somebody, let's, let's say it's Eric Armstead from the 49ers, who obviously has a familiarity with the new defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. Uh, I think he's a premier talent position. He's 25, 26 years old. He's going to warrant a big contract, but he's younger. He's in the prime of his career, and I think he would be a player that could replace Vernon should they go that route. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I do, I do think Olivier will be a hot topic. I expect him to be here. Um, until he's not here, I, I just think he he plays well enough that they they hope they can they can manage his his uh, his usage a little bit. I do think where it gets really interesting is if they wanted to trim a lot of fat, they could potentially look at um, potentially look at letting Jarvis go. I think that that's something they could consider. I don't think they're going to. It is something that I guarantee 
behind closed doors they will talk about. Uh, he's got a 14-and-a-half figure. I think he's only four-and-a-half to let him go with the dead cap situation. They are paying two receivers a lot of money. Is that something they want to do into the foreseeable future? They have a nice out this year. If they wanted to get out of that and draft a good wide receiver and a really good wide receiver draft, they could get a secondary player to – to Odell Beckham, that is an idea. I do not think that happens. It is, it is very far-fetched. It is one of the long shots that I think are out there. So um, it's it's out there. I don't think it's going to happen. I do think that they will consider um, the last name that I think is is on the roster and people think he's a lock is I think they'll consider Chad Thomas because you only save about 500000 from doing it, but that's a player that really can't play. I mean, he, he, he was at or near the bottom of almost every metric pro football focus uses. He He's not... He's not he is even a problem as a rotational piece for me. And um, maybe maybe he figures it out year three, gets some help from D-line specialists and, and some of those things. Maybe he figures it out. I, I don't I don't know, but I think if they're looking at, you know, training camp cuts or whatever, I think he might be a guy we are surprised to see him um, you know, be be washed away from the roster. But that's that's kind of all I have. I think they let go of most of the fat that they were going to let go of. That uh, that's kind of sitting there with an opportunity to save a little bit of money against the cap, and and um, it, it shouldn't be anything monumental. I I'll be surprised if if big names happen. The biggest name I think we're going to see get let go is Christian Kirksey. I just don't think his money figure for what he's been able to produce is not a player, and the injury issues I think will will probably result in him hitting the door. So they might go into free agency, Cody, with about $70 million, plus or minus. It could 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 be a little more or a little less. And it gets dicey with the rollover cap because that's people forget that the rollover cap is just a one-year cap bubble. So you use it for one year, it's then gone. And you go, you go back down to that salary cap number that you had, uh, or that is the league mandate. Whatever that number ends up being in the new CBA, we don't know. But nonetheless... That's the number that they'll have to try to sit at and understand that they just get a spike in the cap. And that could be, honestly, that could be why you see them fill that $15 million rollover number that they have, or it's right around there, is because they know that Olivier's contract comes off the books. That's an option, too, if they really want to chase it. So that gets to the crux of my point with free agency, which is kind of who are some guys that you're looking at that you think would be a really good uh, a good fit here should should they uh, you know get aggressive in free agency? There are three. There's really three names that stand out to me in this class. Um, most mostly positions of need. We need a safety. Demarius Randall's not going to be back with this team next year. Um, he was benched for the disciplinary disciplinary reason that nobody really knows about. Uh, going to need another tight end. Stefanski loves to use the 12 personnel from his Minnesota days in the Kubiak Shanahan type scheme. And you're going to need another linebacker beside Joe Schobert. Hopefully, he comes back next year. Uh, with that said. The best safety on the market this year is going to be Anthony Harris from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they're in cap hell and going to struggle to keep a fair amount of their premier talent, and that includes Harris. He's the probably the best covered safety in the NFL right now, and he's also one of the best tacklers. Uh, something the Browns could really use on the back end, especially in the cover one type scheme that Joe Woods uses. Um, from a tight end perspective, I have my eyes set on Austin Hooper. I believe him and Harris would probably be the, the pieces de resistance, if you will, of this class. He's a back-to-back pro bowler from 2018 and 2019, and he's about as reliable as he, you can be as a pass catcher. He has a 4.3% drop rate over his career, which is pretty phenomenal. He could use him in the short to intermediate passing game. That's where he makes his hay throughout his career, you know, the drags, the end routes, etc., and could possibly open up the outside game for Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. 
Then we look at linebackers. I mentioned that I'd like to keep Joe Sherbert um, signed to another contract with the team. I think he's the defensive leader and uh, has a great presence, not only on the field, but in the locker room. Uh, you pair him with somebody like Corey Littleton. Littleton would be a great fit. No one in the league had a better tackling grade from PFF in 2019. And he also had the seventh best coverage grade in the NFL among all linebackers. If you team those two together, you probably have the best coverage linebackers in the league, the best tandem in the league. Yeah, I'm definitely in on Littleton. I think it's uh, it's it's interesting that if they if they if they want to pay two linebackers, veteran linebackers, um, that kind of money. It, to me, it's probably an either or between those guys in terms of pursuit. But I would love to pair those two up. Don't get me wrong. Um, it it depends on it, it's it's interesting though, Cody, because it depends on how much the new regime likes the old regime, right? How much do they like Chad Thomas? How do they feel about him? How do they feel about Mac Wilson? They didn't draft him. And Andrew Barry wasn't involved in drafting him, so how do they feel about him? There's there's a mystery with some of these guys, and 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 do we see that loyalty just happening because you know they they were here? I I don't know. I, I I'm I'm encouraged by Andrew Barry saying we're not gonna just replace guys because we didn't draft him, and he's cognizant of that link. So um, you know, do they pursue Jack Conklin the tackle? I I don't know. It's it's uh it's it's a matter of how they want to allocate funds, and I think free agency is a mystery because we don't know how aggressive Andrew Barry said they're going to be aggressive, but how aggressive will they be? And we'll really get a feel for what they're going to do in the draft based on that. And I think that people continue to talk about two tackles or whatever need for a veteran tackle. I think you have a veteran tackle. I think Kendall Lamb can, you know, if you end up taking two young tackles, he's, he's a guy who can play. He can, he can play a, a number of games and he's a cheap option and they can get by with him the same way they got by with him this past year. And, and, um, the good thing for me is that I don't feel like they feel like if they get Schobert back, they, they don't feel like they have to force any position. So I, I it's 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 a whole new group, and I hate that I don't have more of a feel for what direction they're going to go. But uh, at this time, I don't know. They could end up sticking with Kirksey. I would be surprised. I know they haven't had any contact with his agent about cutting him or anything of that nature yet, but I would be surprised if they kept him. But at the same time, uh, for the sake of – certainty and people who have been in the franchise and are good people i think they they could consider keeping him around and maybe restructuring and uh we'll just have to see i don't know i'm interested though uh, i think free agency sometimes gives you a lot of clues about what they're going to do in the draft and i think in this situation with so much as a mystery in terms of what types of players barry likes that's on the roster it'll give us a big indication for how they feel about guys based on who they pursue because who they pursue might not be who they're able to sign i think people forget that in this time of year everybody wants to say we're going to get x y and z free agents because this is fun (laughs) and it doesn't work that way because 15 teams are pursuing these guys sometimes so um, well, yeah, that's the thing. You you always see these on the browser, just in X, Y, and Z players, and X, Y, and Z signed somewhere else. It's yeah. like you said. There's everybody across the league is tackling the same crop of players that's available, and everybody wants these top. Let's call them eight to ten players each year. Sure. You can land one, you're in a gold mine. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind. I'm taking a drink here. Sorry, you got to keep in mind that. Uh, you know the Browns have to pay over market value for these guys. You're not you're not getting a discount because you're a franchise that's proven to give somebody a winning opportunity. It's about what guys value, and if somebody like Corey Littleton values winning above uh, the highest dollar figure, then they might go elsewhere. I mean, remember Tony Jefferson is 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 notable for being a guy that the Browns offered the most money to, but he said, "I just 
he's weird. I think he even said something about the uniforms. But you know, he's guys. Sometimes guys guys value winning. Man, they want to go to a place. They feel like they have a great play. Uh, you know, the place that can get him um, to another contract. That can that can be a because you, you you know you win football games. You're in the playoffs. You're going to get another contract. That's how it goes because you're part of a winning winning franchise. So all that stuff they look at, and guys are more cognizant than ever about that stuff. So. That will be uh, – it, it'll be a, a place that the Browns have opportunity, but does that opportunity manifest itself into um, results? I don't know. and that That's why the draft will be so vitally important and collecting assets in the draft, collecting more picks where they can collect more picks. And, um, you know, like I said, we, your, your most recent mock you had – and we'll talk about this, but, you know, had – Tristan Wirfs going 10th to them, and then Lucas Yang, the right tackle from TCU, going in the second round, pick 41. And we'll just highlight the first three, um, or first the first three rounds. Then pick 74, K.J. Hill, Ohio State wide receiver. And then, um, you know, a guy I like a lot and have been pretty vocal about, Adam Troutman, the tight end from Dayton, is the uh, end of the third round pick there. Um, so just sort of who do you who do you feel like if you could pick – not what the Browns might do, but if you could fill some of these 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 spots, who are you keeping your eye on, particularly as guys you would feel really really good about Cleveland taking? So I think when we talk about the Cleveland Browns and the 2020 NFL draft and the needs of the team, left tackle is obviously the most glaring need. And when we talk about the left tackles, we have to keep in mind, the front of our minds even, that the Browns have been using the Kubiak-Shanahan zone blocking scheme um, this year under... Stefanski under Van Pelt and under Callahan. Uh, the focus of these picks should be guys that fit into that scheme. You know, they should be athletic. They should have light feet. They should be coordinated, and they should have pretty solid technique. And with that said, there's two guys, I think, in this class that meet those criteria, and it's Andrew Thomas from Georgia and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, both of whom I believe just turned 21 years old, by the way. Uh, they were the two highest graded draft eligible tackles from 2018 and 2019 by football focus. Uh, Thomas throughout his career only allowed 37 pressures in three years as a starter. And he fits into that. Let's call it the age criteria of that guard, guardrails document that we see, keep seeing circulated from the Sashi Brown era. That age is important when you draft a player. And then we talk about Tristan worse He's an athletic freak. He's a size freak. He only allowed the pressure on 3.5% of his pass blocks, pass block snaps throughout his career. I, I think both of those guys at that 10 spot um, would be home run picks. I see a lot of noise about somebody like a Mecky Becton. What you worry about there is in that zone blocking scheme. Can his size hold up for what is needed in that scheme? Uh, so that would be my pick at number 10. Uh, what about you? Do you have preference there? Listen, I just want them to evaluate uh, who. <laughs> it's tough, man. I try, I really try my best not to speak in absolutes with the draft, just because, like so many things, like these coaching searches, we just don't know enough information. And 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 I think those two you named are guys that I think are certainly plausible. I think they move well, and um, you know, some technique could get cleaned up a little bit, but they're familiar with what. Um, you know, the system would demand of them. Mackay Becton, I, I, I listen, I think, I, I, I don't think I've seen anybody, and um, in, in, in this is the Vikings included, take a tackle his size. Just sheer 
size and uh, and and weight, and I don't think they've gone much above 320 because this scheme demands that you run more. Like if you, I think I've I've seen data. I don't have it in front of me where this scheme demands linemen to run almost half, you know, one and a half times as much as. Uh, as other schemes do, gap schemes do, because you're running laterally so much. Now, listen, Becton's a good enough athlete to do it. He's he's a phenomenal athlete for his size, kind of freaky. But running that much in a game really wears on you, and it wears on you over the, the course of a season, and it wears on you over the course of a career if you are a really big guy. Now, all of these guys are very big, but you're talking about potentially 30 to 40 pounds of extra weight. So I don't I don't know. I don't know if he can fit it. Could he could he come into the combine 345, 350? Does he try to sit his weight down more around the 345, 340 number? I don't know. I, I don't know what that looks like. The Browns will have to ask those questions. I just want them to take the best player as it meets the need. There are a lot of to me the most obvious route for those two aligning is a tackle based on what's available. The best players seemingly out there to deep position. And the Browns need at 10. Do they entertain Isaiah Simmons? I would have zero doubt that they will entertain it. And if they took him, I would understand it. I think he's a phenomenal football player who you can fit in so many different positions and use his athletic ability like a Swiss Army knife to play all over the field. And I'd be fine with it because I do think there are tackles like you have Lucas Nyang here who you can get later on. But that's where free agency will tell us a lot, Cody. That's where it'll tell us if they sign Jack Conklin or somebody that they feel like is going to be someone they're outwardly vocal about, this is going to be our right tackle or left tackle, then they'll probably pick a tackle in the first two picks. But they could, if they ignore it altogether in free agency, go into it saying we need to get two tackles in this draft. So I just don't want them to punt on the position. They can't. They they cannot they cannot do that with what the scheme demands and what their quarterback needs. And um I'm fine with it. I think in the second round you you start to consider you're always looking for the best player available around two, three, four, but you also consider what you need and they will probably need a safety. They could fill that safety role. Um you know, in, in free agency, but they, they probably need two players that they feel good about playing in the back half of the defense. They have Justin Burris, who I'm a fan of. They don't have him. I'm sorry, he's a free agent. They 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 will probably push to bring him back, I hope, at a fair budget-friendly price. And um, they have, obviously, Sheldrick Redwine they drafted who can do some things, but they're, they're going to have to add because Morgan Burnett is going to – and that's another person I should have mentioned is a very logical cut um, – because of his, you know, you're coming back from an Achilles tear. You're going to be 31 years old. It's just it's a super challenging thing to do. And uh, I think, obviously, he tore the, 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 the Achilles midseason, so he's going to be out a substantial amount of time. I just don't see him fulfilling that final year of the contract, so they'll probably give him an injury provision and something of that nature. So they're going to need safeties. And um, somebody, you know, Grant Delpit's dropping to the second round, a lot of discussions. You know, Ashton Davis, the Cal kid's going to be there. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a D3 kid who is blanking right now. I haven't watched his film yet. Who is not D3, but, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, there are names and, and I, I think they're going to look at that position heavily in, uh, in rounds two, three, four and try to come away with one. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to come away with two, especially with how heavily, um, you know, um, Joe, Joe, Joe Woods talked about his safeties needing to be able to cover like corners. They're going to look for those type of guys. So it's it's interesting. I'm 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 certainly not pigeonholing positions. I like a KJ Hill type player. I think they need another receiver. I don't know if they re re sort of visit that 
Richard Higgins' relationship. They might, um, you know, we'll have to see. They also really might like uh, Damian Ratley, and they and they might like, you know, some of those guys that they have sort of fringing at the bottom of the roster. They might they might play some of those guys too. I, I'm not sure. Kadero Hodge, we'll see. But they're they're certainly talented wide receiver. They're certainly talented tackle. I do think they have to come away with a tight end or two. Whether that's Austin Hooper in free agency or Hunter Henry. They'll probably, obviously, the the release of Demetrius Harris means that they're they're definitely knowing they need to reshape that tight end room around David Njoku. I, I'm very fascinated by Troutman. What do you think of him? Yeah, he really catches my eye. Um, you know, we talked about the 12 personnel as probably going to be we can presume is going to be a featured item, pe- featured personnel grouping was Kevin Stefanski's offense. Uh, he has height, he has length, he has speed, everything that's desirable in today's NFL. And he's also physical on the run blocking. I think some of that's not necessarily technique. It might be more of an effort that he's always uh, trying to pummel guys down to the ground. But he, he really catches my eye. And you have to kind of waver, not waver, you have to wait his competition in the FCS playing for the Dayton Flyers. But he still catches your eye even at the game like a senior bowl. And his stats stand up. He's, he's top three in yards per route run and receiving grade since 2015 among all tight ends. FCS or FBS. So he's a guy I think that should garner a lot of attention from the Browns in the upcoming draft. And if we want to backtrack back to the safeties, I think a name we should mention too is Antoine Winfield. Yeah, absolutely. From Minnesota. First team All-American in 2019. He's a freak athlete, great ball skills, great coverage potential. He, If you watch him in any game, he was all over the field. He's dude, just a playmaker. Uh, I could see him being a target there in the second round at pick 41 as well. Yeah, he's got a lot of Tyron Matthew comparisons of late. And if he tests well, I'm not sure he will test as well as some think, but if he does test well, he will be a guy who will shoot up, maybe even sneak into the end of the first round. So uh, this is good, man. This is good insight, good free agency insight. You're going to keep doing these mocks. What are you, five mocks in at this point? Um, Version five, hell yeah, man. You're going to get more out there. This is good content. People can learn a lot about these players Um, You're covering a lot of different statistical angles on these guys, and I'm sure you do a wide variety of them that have different players coming in those slots too. So good stuff, Cody. I appreciate you, man. I really appreciate your time. He's he's Again, he's at WFNY Cody. Please, please, please give him a follow. He's great, and uh, it's it's consistent. Sometimes you don't get consistent stuff from these guys, um, you know, myself included at this point, who cover the Browns. And I think Cody does a really good job with that, and it's good content, and he brings in good sports info solutions and pro football focus stuff that can that can teach you a lot about how these players play. So, Cody, thanks again for joining me, man. Appreciate it, Jake. It's my pleasure. All right. Uh, big shout-out again to Cody. Thanks for joining me, uh, taking some time out of his night. He's got a couple kids. It's tough. It's difficult. It's 1030 Thursday night, releasing this on Friday. Um, you know, people people got lives to, lives to lead, and um, – it was it was nice of him to join, and then uh, next week we hope to have Nathan Zagura jump on. I try to get Nathan on once a year to just talk about how things are going. You guys listen to Browns daily and hear him talk every day, but I try to get him off the off the the main radio wave so that I can 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 get a little bit of his insight and and try to pass along to you guys. So we'll get that out next week at some point. We really appreciate everybody following along. Going to try to push out more some exciting stuff with the OBR potentially shaking out down the line. Keep you in the loop on that when it breaks. Until then, uh, until next week, hopefully nothing crazy happens. Hopefully we don't have anybody selling 157 pounds of weed over the weekend and we can have normal non-Browns news weekend. And uh, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your weekend with your families. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for jumping on iTunes and subscribing, giving us those five stars. You guys have been really generous with those reviews. Appreciate you. Appreciate you listening again. And as usual, go Browns.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.